Hello, everybody. This is Andre, and you are on the Marketing Innovation Podcast Show. Our guest today is Ed Zitron, who is the CEO of EasyPR, a media relations company based in San Francisco, Boston, and Portland. He was named one of Business Insider's top 10 PR people in tech, as well as one of Adweek's 30 Under 30. He's also a two times best-selling author of This Is How You Pitch and Fire Your Publicist. And today we'll discuss how to do PR right in the B2B and tech space. Hi, Ed. How's everything going? Going well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Um, of course. You are tuning in from San Fran today? I'm actually in Las Vegas. I moved to Las Vegas. Uh, we still keep some Bay Area. Uh, we still keep ourselves slightly in the Bay Area, but mm-hmm. I personally live in Las Vegas while I moved here just before the pandemic started. And well, here we are. I like it. I like it a lot. Nice, nice, nice. How's life there? Uh, how are you guys with the restrictions and everything? I mean, it's restricted, but I have a bigger place. I have more more room to roam around, and Vegas is great. I'm so glad I'm not in the Bay right now. It's a little bit grisly over there. Nice. And how's business? How do you find it? Pretty good. I mean, like, to be expected, everyone's been hit, but we haven't had to lay off anyone. We haven't had any danger of laying off people. We still have clients coming in. It's working out. It's just... Everything is a little bit harder at the moment, but I think that that applies to literally any job. For sure, for sure. Okay, so uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's discuss a bit about. Let's share some of your background with everybody that's tuning in today. So sure. we, so everybody gets a feel of uh, where you're coming from, your history with the, the PR and media relations space, uh, and really get to know you a bit better. So uh, tell us, who who are you? <laughs> So I started out when I was like 16 as a games journalist in London. I grew up there. I spent most of my life there. I wanted to move to America. I wasn't really sure why I wanted to, but I liked it there. I did a year uh, exchange in Penn State. So I wanted to move to New York. I thought PR was one thing. It was a totally different thing, but I didn't know that before I moved. And then I moved and I wanted to stay. So I stayed in public relations. I was in a not great situation almost immediately just because I did not get to, no one teaches on the job in PR. You pretty much just work it out. And I realized fairly quickly that no one was good at media relations, which means the ability to talk to a reporter and get him to write about something, Mm -hmm. which a lot of PR people treat as a kind of a one-way street. It's a thing where you have to find a way of doing black magic to get a report to cover something. And the talent there is around the ability, according to them, of basically finding the right key and the right lock, which really isn't. It's about building relationships with reporters. So I found out fairly quickly that when you actually know the reporter and you get to learn what they're actually writing about and you get to learn who they are, you can do a hell of a lot better. So I left that first year, went into another agency, was a lot better, good people there. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? I can do this on my own. I wanted to start my own thing. So I started EasyPR in about 2012 mm-hmm. and been doing it ever since. I was uh, on my own for a few years and then I hired, we've got four people now, which doesn't seem like much, but we we get good clients. We get really good. We do good business and it's a lean business that works. And thankfully, that's why... It's funny, actually, thinking about that, it's why we were kind of insulated. Insulated is the wrong word. We were less hit by the pandemic because when everything shut down and everyone had to go remote, we've always been remote Mm -hmm. because why would I spend money on an office that the person doesn't need anyway? None of of the people who work for me wanted to go into an office anyway. Mm -hmm. So I thought, why would I bother with that? I never hire particularly fast. So when it all hit... I was kind of like, oh, okay, so we just keep being remote, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, and actually, in some ways, I, w- I don't want to say the pandemic is good in any way, but it helped us. It helped get over a, I don't want to say an issue, but like an argument that we'd have in sales. So they'd be like, we don't have an office. Where's your office? Well, I need to see your office. Doesn't happen anymore. No one cares where my office is. No one gives a shit where my, whether I have a big fancy office and how many people I have on a call or any of that, a lot of the aesthetics of PR are just gone now, which Mm -hmm. is a net benefit to us. Everyone's recovering though. And it it is tough for everyone. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so you are always in PR, right? So ever since- No, no, I was a reporter before that. Like I said previously, it's, um, I was a reporter for about, shit, 
I really never stopped being a reporter. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I was officially reporter from like 2003 through to 2016. I mean, I was doing freelance work on, on and off for a long time and I loved it. I, yeah, games journalism was the best job I've ever had, including public relations, mm-hmm. like way better. Like I would do that job again in a heartbeat if it paid what I make now. But sadly, I have bills. If you don't pay the mortgage, apparently they take your house. So I can't really can't really change that course, can I? So uh, what attracted you to PR specifically uh, from the standpoint of, you know, like starting off? Uh, oh, I was lied to. That's really easy. I was lied to about what it was. So if you read most PR books, they tell you that PR is this big, sexy, flashy, impressive job where you do press conferences and you get put in the hot seat and you go on TV. They build up this belief that people want to talk to you, which is not the case with PR. People mostly do not want to talk. They will talk to you if they need something, but they don't really want to talk to you about anything especially in the beginning and especially when you start out in PR, depending on the agency, you could get given the crappiest clients. I mean, just the absolute worst because the people, when you're hired at that level, you're doing like media lists. So literally a list of people who might cover something and you're a lot of the, the managers don't really do any work. So they just kind of like, eh, just here's some stuff. Go and do this. And I'll yell at you if you don't do it well enough. I'm not going to teach you how. So I go into PR because I was lied to. I thought it was going to be this big job. We work with big clients and it's always good and fun. No, not remotely. But I stayed in it because I like the relationship building with reporters. Mm-hmm. I'm good at it. I'm, I'm, it's a rare discipline to be good at because most PR people are kind of sociopaths. And they say stuff like, I love people. Anytime I hear someone say, I love people, my first reaction is, have you met them? (laughs) Have you actually met people? How many people have you met and what were they like? Because if you love people and you've met a lot of them, you don't have emotions. You just, or you had very surface level conversations with everyone you met. And so this world of PR is really not relationship driven by the industry. But if you're good at it, if you're good at relationship building, you can get very far because media relations in particular is a tough discipline. It requires domain expertise. You actually have to know what you're talking about to work with these reporters. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, it happens in marketing too. You get people in marketing are like, I'm a tech marketer, but the truth is their actual knowledge of technology is like teeny tiny amount. Oh, I'm an enterprise tech. It's like, yeah, how many times have you called that boring in the last week? Because a lot of PR people, market people have to say how boring enterprise tech is. Literally the job they have, like, oh yeah, it's boring. Everyone loves that. People love hearing how boring that jobs are. But you need to be able to learn around what you're talking about. Like, I mean, take my setup. I am, um, I've been remote forever. And when everyone went remote, I upgraded myself. I've got DSLR here, I've got um, RE20, I got a soundboard. I did that because I know what I'm talking about. And I believe that PR people should be like the reporters they are pitching and actually learn what they are talking about. Don't just be like, I like tech, which means I have an iPhone and a computer. Build a PC. Build a game PC. Learn all this this stuff. It's not difficult. It's not difficult, but if you only want to learn a little bit about a lot, fine. I'll take your business and I'll take, I'll beat you in every new business thing. Like it's not to be a bit grim, but it's something that is pervasive across a lot of these knowledge worker disciplines where I don't know. I think it's a sociocultural thing where young people, I'm 34 myself. I've seen people of my generation and younger where they're taught to learn the buzzwords and learn the, learn the names of stuff and learn the terms, but never the substance. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is pervasive. And I've given a slightly longer and more complex answer, I realized, but it's something that stands out in PR for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it also applies, as you, as you mentioned, to marketing and in many other fields. And mm. here is another question that uh, occurred to me, and I think it would be worth answering uh, sure. from, from this uh, longer but more comprehensive answer, which is uh, how do you feel uh, understanding what a reporter wants or needs or responds to helped you become more successful in doing PR right? I'm going to be honest, not that much until I worked out what the job 
was because so reporters appreciate it they really do appreciate knowing you were a journalist but there are a lot of pr people who used to be journalists mm -hmm. and there are a lot of pr people who moved into journalism uh, sorry journalists who moved into pr people into being pr people who did so because they wanted more money i did it to move to america which is very slightly different borderline the same but and thus they're seen as kind of turncoats but on top of that there are a lot of journalists who transfer and miss. They don't really see. But also that's something I did early on. When you don't know what a PR person does before you go into PR, the lessons you've learned from journalism aren't that great. They, they don't really apply. Sure, you can say, because a lot of, uh, I would say it in my early days, you would be like, oh, yeah, journalists are always looking for stuff to write about. That's not totally true. It is true. They have to write about stuff. But they're not looking to you, they're looking to the world at large. And if you're good and you go and you actually get a client stable that fits that, yes, they will look to you, but they're not going to come to you and be like, hey, have you got any stuff for me to write about? No one does that. Mm -hmm. No journalists do that. That's not how journal unless you are a White House reporter, unless you are a stock reporter. And sometimes you might get an inbound request, but that is not the same thing as just a journalist bluntly going to you and being like, I need a story. Please give me things to do. Mm -hmm. But there is a degree of that. The thing that I brought over that really matters is being able to talk to a reporter. Because I was never fully, a lot of PR people and a lot of marketing people, I'm sure you've seen, they talk in this really weird, stilted way. They don't, like, it's weird. They communicate us, but they communicate like robots. And I, I never really managed to, PR people managed to break their brain and like, hello, hope you're having a pleasant day. I'm writing with a big story and it's 300 words later and it's no one's paying attention. I never really successfully broke my brain, mm -hmm. or at least my brain was too broken to fix it in the PR way, where I never did that. I was just like, you know what? I got to communicate how I communicate. And the moment I just boiled down everything I did to how I used to write, and I was taught by some really great, like Will Porter from PC Zone, Graham Boyd from CVG, Graham's now at Microsoft, I believe, and Will is a game writer. I mean, those were my like editors, and those are the people who mentored me and said, look, write like you talk. Don't write like you think you should talk. Write like you actually talk. And the moment I started doing that, reporters started responding to my emails. Reporters started actually giving me a minute. Mm -hmm. And PR people don't do that. Or if they do, they talk really stupidly. They sound awful. And it's just, it's a, it, it comes back to what people perceive to be intelligent versus what they perceive to be effective. Mm -hmm. If you talk a certain way and communicate well, that's effective. It might not sound as smart as the weird architect scene from the matrix, but you, you'll actually do work better. And it's confusing to me, but I think it comes down to this aura of PR people that they want to feel important. And they, they always say, oh, PR people aren't the story, but they want to be the story. They want to be important. They want to be told how good they are. I've never had that problem. Perhaps it's just being a big depressive guy, but I've never really had the problem of needy, needing to feel important. I've always wanted to just get the job done and get paid. Not completely mercenary, but I've wanted to do a good job way more than I've wanted to feel like I'm a big time, big shot type. I feel like the money shows you you're the big shot guy, not the work. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you were to look at PR um, as part of a more, you know, like if you were to apply your strategic eye to PR, um, mm -hmm. how, how do you think about PR? Um, strategically so let's say first of all which are the industries that you uh and your agency focus on so so the audience understands uh, where kind of like where you where your approach comes from so enterprise tech b2b a lot of consumer tech when i can get it consumer tech pr is hard to get because it's a lot easier mm -hmm. um and that really is our focus we'll do like consumer tech is my favorite but not always the thing I get. And that doesn't mean I don't like enterprise or B2B. It's just, it's easier for similar money. Mm -hmm. so You've got to be pragmatic. But I really have got into enterprise though. Enterprise is tough because you have to learn so much so fast and you have to be able to take that and spit it out the other end in a way that's way easier than it was you get. It's just brutal. But anyway, sorry, you had a question around strategy. 
Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is very useful. Uh, we also talk a lot about B2B and enterprise marketing as well mm-hmm. here. So uh, when you are, let's say, starting out with a new client or, client or you take a new client on board <laughs> and you need to execute a PR strategy for them, maybe they didn't do one specifically before or they don't know exactly what they are after. Uh, how are you looking at PR strategically or how do you you know, integrate it in a broader mix of marketing channels, let's say? So strategy is an interesting word, especially for PR. When it comes to the media relations, there's only so much you can strategize for. If you're a very launch-focused company, like I used to work with this company called Wise, they do um, started out with a 1080p camera and they've done all sorts of stuff since. That's when you can be very specific and strategic around because you've got launch, you have these targets, you do these things. But when it's a broader thing and you're ideating more, you're sitting with the client and saying, okay, what's interesting about you? What's interesting to reporters? What relationships can we build with these reporters? That is where a strategy is more difficult, or at least a week by week or month by month one is. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible to do PR with them, but it's a little more freeform jazz than most people would think. And you can come up with a lot poison within PR is PR people love coming up with like big documents of like four or five angles. So the issue with coming up with an angle for multiple people is if it's very specific, it's not applying to lots of people. And if it's very broad, it's not going to be particularly in depth. Mm-hmm. So A lot of this comes down to breaking the egg and seeing what comes out and understanding what the client actually has. And at some times in the new business process, telling them not to do it. I had a call last week where I told one woman who'd um, sold a company, brilliant story, release had already gone out. And I said, I don't think you should do public relations about this. I don't think you should hire anyone. And she was shocked. And this happens. It happens to me at least once a month where I tell someone not to do PR. But if you haven't got the substance, if you don't have it, if you have a conversation with someone and they're able to see a path to success, they need to be specific. Like, I will get you to Forbes in this manner. Nothing's guaranteed, but I think this will work. Mm-hmm. If they cannot do that, if you cannot do that as a PR person, it's fine to say to someone, I don't think this will work because that person will come back to you. Mm-hmm. I'd, say, I'd say at least like 50% of the time that person will come back to you when they do have a story and be like, you know what? I didn't spend 10 grand. I didn't spend 15 grand because of you. You saved me money. That is good business. That is how PR agencies should work. They very rarely do it. I do it a little often. Like, perhaps I do it more often than I should, but I, I can't bring myself to convince someone to spend money they don't need to. Mm-hmm. It feels greasy. And what are some good cases of uh, when you'd advise a company to do PR or, you know, to exploit opportunities in this area? And also what KPIs are you looking at delivering towards? Is it awareness? Is it traffic? Is it? Uh, so very simple. If you just raise the round of funding, don't put out a press release. Come to me, come to a PR person. That's a great event to do PR around. Absolutely. I also think that like a new launch that's super applicable to a whole bunch of people is a great idea. But if it's really niche, don't hire a PR person, work out who the one reporter is who would care, write an email yourself. That's it. You don't do the run-up. KPIs are usually, we do like a two-week ramp-up with a written Q&A where we just kind of get the client familiar. We get familiar with the client, if you will. Um, And while we do a medium media list. So like a list of the people we think we can take this to. And then within that, then we start pitching. KPIs are usually like coverage. So tier one might be a TechCrunch, a Forbes, a Business Insider, a Fortune. Tier two would be, depends. Actually, it really depends because like DevOps.com might be tier two to some person, but to a heavily DevOps focused company, it's going to be a tier one. The new stack, same, same deal. Depending on who the client is, they may not care about TechCrunch. The important thing is the conversation. But those KPIs, for us at least, are based on the actual coverage because traffic is very hard to understand. We have had clients who have had like a Kickstarter launch where one TechCrunch article led to $85,000 worth of sales. Mm-hmm. Nice. Bing, bang, boom. I've had ones where it's led to 2,000 click-throughs and nothing else. Now, that's a, these are like 
that that last one is an extremely edge case. Usually it sends a good amount of traffic. But the thing I always instill with clients is we cannot guarantee client coverage and we cannot actually guarantee traffic because we are not in a media controlled country. We are, like there is a freedom of the press here. Mm-hmm. They cannot guarantee anything, but we can give you fair odds. And usually clients are, I would say most like 95% of clients are happy. And because you set these expectations early, if you have these conversations and you set them up and sometimes the client will say, you know what, if we cut, if you're not 100% sure we can get this, this isn't worth it for me. Absolutely fine. It's that's good shit. That's it. Walk away from something you're not willing to pay for. It's mm-hmm. fine. If you like, usually with that, it's so good. And it's weird. I'm talking a lot about not taking business, but especially right now, I feel like the companies that are going to win are the ones that are well on both sides. So the, the companies that don't spend money where they don't have to, and the companies that tell people not to spend money. Because in some cases, it's not worth it. If you need traffic, you may want to do Facebook advertising. You may have other things that could drive more traffic. If you need brand awareness and SEO, PR is pretty unrivaled for that. I actually think the SEO industry, like SEO experts, going away the dodo. I think that whole business might die. I, I it's a, it's kind of a, a ballsy thing to say, but I get this weird feeling like Google is trying to stay ahead of them. And when you have giant companies trying to frankly kill your industry, I, I that's scary to me. And sorry if you're an SEO person. I'm sure you're a lovely person, but. My experience right now is that Google is really, really trying to curb that. Like, obviously, high domain authority website is going to get you mm-hmm. good SEO. So, how are you working with SEO people? Because here, like, from- I don't. <laughs> like, that's real easy. <laughs> because, you know, like uh, in PR, a very good, uh, you know, augmented benefit that you could get from being published and obviously the brand awareness things and so on are the backlinks that you could potentially get from TechCrunch, yes. let's say, or Forbes or yes. Wall Street. So um, how, how do you go about it? Like, uh, is it not a, a marketing person on your client's team saying, hey, we want backlinks here or... So that will happen occasionally and it sucks. The moment a client mentions backlinks, it's usually like, oh God, no, I'm going to have to, I have to explain some stuff because in most cases you will get a link. Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal oftentimes doesn't link. New York Times will sometimes link. Sometimes they will not. You can't go and ask for one. They will get very pissy with you if you ask. So that's the, the journal, like the, the journalist will journal. know it's not their job to cover you. They have covered you out of an interest in what you're doing. And they are not gonna, they're not gonna play ball. Some cases they may, some cases they'll be like, sure, I'll do it. But it really depends. You have to ask very nicely. You have no no demands here, friend. You have to just ask. Now, that is not the same thing as when I've had clients go, these are the websites that work for us. So there is a, I forget, I think it's called like an affinity chart or something like that, Mm -hmm. where basically it says, if someone clicked through from this website, they are more likely to buy. Mm-hmm. That is a hell of a thing. If you can get one of those when you're like deep into a PR strategy or even not, that's a really good way of targeting because then you can say, all right, spend your entire life, and this only works to a certain extent, going after these. If there's like 30 of them or 50 of them, great. If there's three of them, mm, going to have to just spread it around a bit. But yeah, I think that I rarely work with like an SEO expert, but so contributed content. So if you write something, you pitch it to like the next web or TechCrunch or what have you, you can fit in terms that you want to be known for, but best find a way to write normally as well, because some of those terms do not fit nicely into a blog. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, it's a back and forth to say the least. Mm-hmm. This is a very interesting debate because, you know, like you can pay to get in Forbes and you can have like, I don't know. Uh, no, you can't. Not anymore? I not, think. Le- not legally. You can pay to get into the Forbes Council where you can write your own things. Mm-hmm. You can, if you find a Forbes person that you can pay for coverage and it does not say paid coverage, you have broken a law and walk back from that one. 
Mm-hmm. And what's a good PR budget, would you say, that that could get you? So, of- usually 8 to 15K a month is what you should expect. You may find people who are cheaper. Always question why and ask them for more recent results. Any PR firm you talk to, say, hey, what's something you got recently? Give me a few links to things you got recently. So within the last three months, because a lot of PR firms love to go, oh yeah, we did this and this and this, and it'll be two years old or a year old. If it's more than six months old, you are talking like a different epoch. Like it's, you need recent coverage. Sweet. And um, so now we discussed about how, you know, like how to, what, where PR fits into a marketing mix and how to think about allocating perhaps budgets towards it when you are looking at your cross-channel budget allocation. Um, would you say that PR is more of a thing that you should be doing at key moments, as you mentioned, like launches, or is it something that you can constantly do a bit of and then have spikes when... You Depends know- on the company. If you're a company with a lot of launches, you can do it constantly. If you're a company that does like one notable thing a year, do a project. Now, there are some companies who, with SEO, for example, you can do contributed content, like I mentioned. You can do your own blogs, you can pitch them to reporters. There is a, you can do that fairly regularly and it has an effect. Now, for the most part, though, project based PR is fine. Unless you can find an agency that can continually get you coverage, you have to. You, you have to be aware that there are budgets and there are projects. I love projects. Give me a 45-day project. I'll much rather have a happy 45-day project than a three-month client where they're pissed off at me. Every time. Clients love it. Um, and it it's, makes people happy. Yeah, I guess if you have a deadline for it, you can focus better, I guess. Exactly. Well, it's just that. And it's also you need an inflection point. You need something to focus on. Now... If you're a consumer electronics company and you have 12 launches throughout the year, it's probably too many launches, but you've got enough juice there to keep juicing the PR. So is this um, is it the launches that you like better in uh, you know consumer electronics and tech? Yes, or? it's yes. much easier in consumer electronics. It's not impossible with other things, but you have to amend your expectations a bit. You have to say, all right. I'm in DevOps. I shouldn't expect like TechCrunch every month. Mm-hmm. Now that can change. I have a um, subscription API in Enterprise, and they have in the last two months had CNBC, New York Times, uh, Flip, the TechCrunch, TechCrunch op-ed. I mean, Christ Almighty, they've been everywhere, and they are a subscription API because we found the whole Apple Epic thing. We we kept them. I have Business Insider as well. In three months, then twice. The point I'm making is with the right story and the right crystallization of events, <coughs> pardon me, um, we are able to do a lot of great work. But I'm always month to month, and I think that that's always good if you're hiring a PR firm. Get month to month, get like a 15 day, 20 day out, just mm-hmm. be able to say, I'll give notice. Because guess what? Things change. You may do it, and you may think this sucks. Probably not the PR, but just like the story doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Quit then. The thing to watch out with if you're hiring PR is like long engagements. Anything longer than three months is crazy to me. Now, if you are a company with like a consumer electronic thing that people are going to review, go for it. You could do six months. But if you're not, probably don't. You may end up working with the person for six months, but if it's month to month, you'll be a hell of a lot happier. And I've had, I had a client once at Hotspot Shield, um, Anchor Free, wonderful company, wonderful CEO, David there. I think I worked with them for like four or six years. It all blended into one at one point. It's so month to month with them for that time with like a few months off here and there. Worked really well. Happy client for the most part. Every client, you're, you're in any relationship for four years, you can have an argument. Trust me, I've been married twice. And but you sh- that flexibility keeps everyone honest. And yeah, there is a degree of like gun to your head every month, but for the most part, people stick around for a few months because they know they don't have to. So what's some, like a traditional scenario of you starting out in a project? I'm curious also personally, because, uh, you know, 
I've never been into PR so much, a lot into marketing, but not so much into PR. So, uh, you know, I studied a degree in this and then I also had projects or work with PR teams, uh, but never had the insider's view into how things should be planned out. And I think this would right. be interesting from uh, our listeners' point of view. So they, uh, we also have entrepreneurs here or CEOs, but also a lot of marketing and PR and salespeople. So I think... For them, in order to understand what they should expect or how to think about building up a relationship with a PR agency or deploying a PR strategy, what would be a classical um, scenario, for example, with you, that would get them to a success story? So, for example, one of the many funded, like I've had several clients recently, and I'll have several more, I'm sure, where they have a funding announcement and we do like a 45-day sprint. We say, all right, two weeks prep time, then kind of four weeks pitching with an embargo. So they raised X million dollars. You get in, you spend the two weeks, you get all the information and all the prep work done in that two week period. Then you start pitching and you usually set an embargo for X date, which is like week five, mm-hmm. give yourself about two or three weeks to pitch. And then you pitch, you get reporters to agree to an embargo. They agree to the embargo. They all post at the same time and everyone is happy. Everyone, big smiles all around. You get in, you get out. If it's a month-to-month thing, usually you have that same two-week ramp up, but then you have a degree of like, okay, now we're here. What do we do next? Now, there are clients I've had where there is just so much fertile ground that it doesn't bother me. Like I have this 3D printed house company. Last five and a half weeks, we've had Forbes... NBC, Yahoo Finance, NextWeb, uh, CNET. I mean, there's just so many places to take them. We did that. Now, there may be ones where you have to work it out with the client. You have to say, okay, we've got these angles. Now we're going to go and pitch to reporters. You would then hope to just get stories in a steady flow, like covering the client from whatever angle. So in the case of the 3D printed house company, it would be all right, this is the solution to the affordable housing crisis. Or it might just be a TV appearance because they're cool and TV loves specific kinds of cool stories. Very rare, but they do. Um, Then they had KTLA as well. And that was because they had an LA pop-up. So we had a reporter in LA go and meet with them. There are ways you work through it. With a month-to-month engagement where you're just like, we want to get coverage for this company, you have to work with the client. You find stuff to do every month. And if you don't, you have to find relationships for them to build with the report. And there are many reports you can talk to and they'll be like, oh, I find this person generally interesting. I find this person good to talk to and they'll be a useful source. So that API subscription company, that, that CEO Jacob there, he has been, he's spoken to multiple reporters just about Apple's general goings on. That's a way of doing it too. But you have to make sure you've got something unique to say. Because there are tons of app companies, tons and tons and tons of them. For the most part, it's going to be hard to rise above the sea there if you just want to talk about apps in general, if you don't have a thing that you're a master of, if you don't have a, it's not even an angle, it's like a weapon of choice. If you don't have something you are uniquely talented at talking about, then it's going to be hard to build that reputation. But it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. And now we lightly touched on this, but how do you pitch that? So for example, we have the company that has a budget and can come to you and then you can help them with everything that ha- you need, that ne- that needs to happen within the process. Or you might have somebody like a smaller company, in a, maybe like in a small niche that they know the free publications that they want to get into, um, but they don't know how to pitch the subject or the, the mm. end or how to get into there. Um, and now going to your book and some of the insights that you shared there, um, what would be some advice that you'd give to somebody that wants to try to make their way or, or try to um, get into PR with a story? So the client or a PR person? No, the client in this case, if they don't have the budget. So if you're not, if you, and they don't have a budget for the agency. Mm-hmm. So I would tell them to read. Go and read Everything you can. If you want to be in TechCrunch so bad, find the person for the thing you are in. And be honest with yourself. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are just like a company you are not. Mm-hmm. So if you're an enterprise tech with with tech with TechCrunch, you're pretty much looking at Frederic Lanois or uh, Ron Miller. 
In those cases, they kind of diverge. Ron will write about AI, but so will Frederick, kind of. Frederick will mostly, he will write about WebRTC, but he doesn't do it much. If he doesn't do something much, it either means there aren't many companies or he doesn't really find it that interesting. So you need to go and you need to read what was interesting enough to rise above. Maybe it was a funding round. Maybe it was a, an advisor who was a former big-time Facebook person. It comes down to an honest read of the industry mm-hmm. and sending a short, like a 100-word email to them and saying, can I just get on the phone with you? No, I don't expect a story. Maybe I would love that. It would be wonderful. But I just want to die. I want you to hear our story. I think you'd find it interesting. And they may still say no. That sucks, but that's life. Sorry. And I think that that is the easiest way to do it for free. Or, but time is not free. Mm-hmm. And time is, it's a time suck. It, I do this all all the live long day. It is extreme. Even when you don't do much for that two hours, even if you're reading for that two hours and pitching for one minute, it is still time consuming and exhausting because it's a lot of mental energy, is a lot of moving parts and trying to understand how am I going to get to this person who is not incentivized to write about me, mm-hmm. to write about me. And it may be as simple as I read all of your stuff and I think this matters. And I the way I've done this personally is like, if in any given report, you, if you really are 100% sure they'll cover it, like there is just, you get the feeling, you just send the pitch and it's great. There's some where you have to go, look, you wrote about this, you wrote about this, you wrote about this. And I think that this matters for this reason, based on this. You have to really show your homework and still that won't work. You have to be ready for rejection as well. It's like the thing that you deal with in this industry. You were just constantly told no. I mean, like all the time. Can press releases work? Like, can you put out a press release through a live wire or something like that? And does it pick, does it get picked up? Nah. Uh, unless you're a big, big, big company, press releases are a big, big waste of time. There's no reason to do them. You might want to write one because some reporters just like getting information that way. Mm-hmm. And every time I roll my ass, it's like, oh, come on, man, I wrote this same thing in an email. Um, but for the most part, you don't need to put anything on the wire. Your investors may push you. That's your problem. But if no one's pushing you to, you probably don't need one. So it doesn't help. It doesn't help with like it doesn't help with your SEO. Yeah, I mean, I was curious if it if it works. Um, if you have a really big funding round, like two hundred and fifty million, yeah, but you can get press for that. Like press will always trump a press release. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you're doing a funding round, maybe put one out, but you really don't have to. It's a thousand to two thousand dollars each time. It's money you could spend, but you could burn that money. This should be warm. <laughs> and who picks the subjects or the angles? So is it traditionally the companies that um, say, "Hey, in a good I relationship, it's both." In a good relationship, there's a back and forth. For the most part, the PR agency should be ideating everything. They should be, sure, it's great when a client comes to you and goes, what about this? Because there are some companies I've worked with who just come up with stuff and you're like, I didn't think of it like that. That's bloody brilliant. And then you go and you use it and everyone, they feel good, you feel good, everyone's good. But for the most part, like it should be at least the 75-25 split. You should, your PR firm, I mean, should be doing way more than you angle-wise. But if things aren't working, if you're having tough times, get on the phone with them and hash it out. There is a awesome, Jason Lemkin, he's the founder of Sasta, founder of Echo Sign. He's Mm -hmm. a wonderful fellow. He mentored me. He mentored me in the enterprise. called me in like 2012. Uh, Called me on the phone. He said, I want to be your biggest client because I've been working with one of his portfolio companies. And Jason, if you listen to this and I've missaid this, you can beat me up in public. You know me. You know what if I'm, you got my number. But he called me and he said, I want to be your biggest client. And I also want you to not lie to me. I'm like, okay, I don't do that. He's like, what's your experience with enterprise? I'm like, not great. I don't have a lot. This is back in 2012. And he said, thank you for not lying to me. I don't need that. But he was at the time at Storm Ventures, a big venture capital firm, wonderful people. Um, and he was there and he said, I, I will teach you the enterprise stuff you need to know and B2B stuff. And that's where I got my start. He has so many good lessons about so many things that seem like they're just about sales, but they apply to everything. And one of my favorite things he's written is this. It's around, I think it's lessons for hiring your first VP. 
Mm-hmm. And one thing he says that really applies to PR people is rule. You know, one rule is no excuses. Just tell me what happened and how we can fix it. Now, this is a great managerial lesson, but it's great for PR people specifically. PR people love to do cat littering. They love to hide all the errors. And I made a mistake. I'm just going to hide this. Cowards. Cowards. No, you shouldn't be cowardly. Just be like, this isn't working. And I don't know why. Or it isn't working. And I think it's because of this. Not, yeah, well, you know, the media is really tough at the moment. And yeah, there's a lot of COVID. Who gives a damn? No one cares. Let's find a way through this or not work together. As much as that sucks, everyone loves making money. No one likes losing money. But if you have this conversation where it's just like, no excuses, no excuses. Let's just work out how to go through this. And is there a way to this place or is there not? And if there isn't, is there something else we can do to make this worth it? Mm -hmm. Have that conversation with your PR firm and you'll be a lot happier. And frankly, you'll be a lot less crazy because not having that like excuses are a pain in the ass unless they are. And the difference between an excuse and something that happened is an excuse is usually vague. A reason is usually definitive. So Forbes didn't, wasn't interested in this. Well, I think it's because if they weren't interested, they might just not be interested. You might never get closure on them or they might say, I find this boring. And the answer there may be, your subject is boring to that writer, move on. It's really that simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm totally with you on the no excuses approach in general in business. I think it's very healthy. Indeed. Super. So some success stories, some recent success stories, actually, and (laughs) what made them uh, successful apart from these ones that we discussed. uh, And I'm happy that we brought them up before, like in the beginning of our conversation, because they gave us some very good meat to to juggle the subjects on. Um, But is there any other case study or success story that comes to your mind uh, that was fairly, fairly recent and maybe we can look into it and draw some learnings from? I mean... I'll, I'll talk about Revenue Cat. They're a subscription API company. I've mentioned them vaguely, but I'll be more specific here. We had a funding round with them. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It was a great way to start off the relationship. Then the whole Epic Apple thing happened. When that happened, we got Jacob CEO on the phone with reporters. We then, while talking to Jacob, found some proprietary data around the fact that, that when you go a year into the subscri- a subscription with any given user, you go from making 70% on the subscription to 85%. What their data showed that was because of the way that subscriptions churn, very few companies actually see the benefit of that. We took that story to multiple reporters and we wrote up an op-ed on it. We pitched that op-ed to TechCrunch. It got put on TechCrunch because guess what? It had good proprietary data that told a story. We took it to Shira Ravide over at the New York Times. She said, that's kind of interesting. I want to talk to Jacob about broader things. She talked to him broadly. He got a lovely write-up in the bloody New York Times because he talked very authoritatively on how Apple interacts with developers and how developers are dealt with. Mm-hmm. The reason that that worked was partly relationships. I did the entire pitch with the New York Times through DM. Do not DM Shuravida on my damn name, though. I find out you did. I will find you. Uh, but I did that because I have a relationship with her. I've known her for years. I've pitched her like twice in the last few months, but you've known her for years because I've read her stuff and known for a long while, I got nothing for you until she started at the times. I'm like, okay, there is a way we're into this with uh, Walter over at TechCrunch. I pitched him the op-ed. I've pitched him several op-eds. I've learned he likes stuff that tells a story and is fairly direct. And I happen to be a pretty good writer. And thus I know what writers look for and that kind of stuff. That's great. I know that Ryan Brown at CNBC, I know that he writes about these big picture tech stories, the news of the day. So he's going to need someone. And here is the way to be the best source. Be clear, spoken, very direct and quotable. Just say X happened for Y reason. I think this and this and this. Don't try and sound smart. Be smart. Mm-hmm. All of this worked because we have good relationships with reporters. Ryan, I got to know him three months ago via Twitter because I've read his stuff forever and you have to take a while to break through with these people. It just happens. 
This case study, as vague as it may be, grew out of the fact that we learned what the company did and then we pulled out what was interesting. We worked with them to find the data internally, but also the story internally that they could apply to. That's why they've kept in the press. Also, Jacob is a dynamite CEO. He's charming, friendly, down to earth. He likes talking to the media, but also he talks to them in a way that's not condescending or indeed uh, impenetrable. A lot of these, a lot of CEOs sometimes uh, they go very high end buzzword types. Jacob's very straightforward, lovely, smart fella, a developer's developer, and writers like talking to him. He's just he's a straightforward, lovely guy. So the the learnings there are read, 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 learn what the reporters want. And match that kind of stuff to your stuff. But also, be direct. With all of these conversations, there were a few like Twitter DMs. It was like one or two messages. It was, here's this person. They can talk about this. It's relevant for this reason. Direct. Don't piss around. No, one, no one's got time for that. And then on some level, they're doing you a favor. It's not really doing a favor because you're bringing them something they want. But like they don't have to listen to you. They don't have to read your thing. So at least do them the solid of responding quickly and getting them the things they need and being respectful of a no. I've had several no's from both of those writers. Guess what? Didn't get butt hurt. I was just like, okay, no arguments. That's an important one. If someone tells you no, unless you're like, I have read all your things and I know this is so perfect for you, which will happen like 1% of the time. Mm-hmm. Just back off. Thank them for responding. Seriously, say like, hey, thanks for getting back to me. I have a great uh, Cheddar.com, uh, Cheddar.com, their TV network. Um, one of the producers over there have a great relationship. She'll tell me no all the time. And I always say, hey, thanks for getting back to me because that's all you can ask. It's so hard to even get a reply in PR. So, be respectful. People remember that. People remember people who aren't dicks. People remember people who are useful. If you are useful and interesting, you can go quite far. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it's their job to filter out the relevant news. So It is, and when... they have limited time. So being respectful of said time is very good for you. Mm-hmm. Superb. Okay, so now let's try to do a wrap-up because there are so many interesting things. Let's try to sort of prioritize them for somebody that maybe, you know, like never looked at PR in depth and they found out all these things. They are maybe considering it now and maybe they are, you know, trying to find their best uh, starting point. Um, I already have some, <laughs> some uh, you know, like five things that I picked up that mm-hmm. I think be relevant, but I would rather let you say which would be like your top three and then maybe add on top of them because you are the authority in this case. Read. I cannot be clearer enough. Read. Read, 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 read. Get to know everything in your industry. If you want to be in the media, learn the media. Build relationships. If someone says no, thank them, move on. Get a conversation with someone. A warm introduction will do wonders. Just have a conversation. Don't be demanding. No one likes anyone who's demanding. If you're hiring a PR agency, set expectations. Be like, this is what I want and talk to them about it. Find a direct path to that. If you don't do that, you're going to be miserable. But if you do it, you'll probably have a great relationship. I would say also think of projects versus month to month, unless you have a lot of launches. If you're in consumer tech, that's brilliant. Do it, but projects are best. And Always ask for recent coverage in media relations. Ask for stuff that's happened at latest six months ago, but even then I'd say three. Mm-hmm. And if they can't do that, then walk away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing that I wanted to add, and I think I, I mean, particularly I found it very insightful and it kind of validated one belief that I had was this one mm-hmm. of having to go for uh, and understand exactly what certain journalists write about so that you can think about. Uh, that's why I also put the question of who thinks about the angle. Is it the agency or is it the client? And, you know, like trying to be in a client's shoes, I'm thinking, okay, mm. if I kind of know the publications, maybe try to understand before starting the conversation with the agency, what would be something that a certain writer would be interested in so I can better communicate my idea to the PR agency. Yeah, but that should also be their job. They should do that for you. They (laughs) should be doing that stuff. Well, I guess it's much easier if if there's already a bit there. 
Yes, have have some knowledge because then they won't befuddle you with nonsense. So what are you up to with uh, EasyPR now? Where are you guys heading towards? Um, what partnerships are you looking for? We just we want new clients who are the right clients. We're not hiring generally. We don't generally hire. We've hired like five people in five years. Like people leave, people enter. Generally, we want things that are of value added. If we're going to do a partnership with someone, I need to know how this is going to get me more coverage or more money. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do either of those things. I respectfully ask you to not like ask, but I need like you should be doing that with any sales. Please, God, find a way to actually bring value. Um, we're generally looking for consumer tech, enterprise tech, B2B tech. Tech is really good for us. Post series, uh, post seed round, but if you get a big enough seed round, we can help you. Mm-hmm. Big enough would be over two and a half million. You probably want to raise more like three to get in the press, but we've done it. Mm-hmm. And try and think of where you'd be in the media. And if you honestly can't think and shoot me an email, I'm ed at easypr.com, no hyphens or anything. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an honest read. I'll give you a barometer. I'll point you in the right direction if you can't work with me. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not a monster. I want to help. Are there particular areas, like uh, geographic areas, where you focus more on? Like easy- uh, Usually US. Usually just focus on the US. We do some UK stuff, but UK, UK can be... Like my experience of UK journalists is they want someone in the UK with good reason. Same way, like it, it just makes more sense. Mm-hmm. But you can do a lot of stuff with that. Mm-hmm. Super. So um, particularly North America, I guess, uh, right? Yeah, North America. We don't like none. Of, I don't believe anyone on our team speaks anything other than English, which is only because I'm too stupid, not because of any dislike of any other countries. Too stupid to learn any other languages. I tried. Uh, but yeah, English-speaking, North American tech. Super. Okay, so I think we have a good bunch here of uh, the people that uh, would be certainly interested to speak with you. So for you guys, I'll leave the uh, ads details in the description below. And uh, in terms of other platforms, is LinkedIn a good a good uh, place? I'm on Twitter, Ed Zitron, on Twitter, E-D-Z-I-T-R-O-N. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, you'll find me there. Awesome. Uh, it's a sludge pile, but I love it. <laughs> sweet okay and then until next time thanks so much for being on the show today thank you so much pleasure and the really insightful chat also full of energy so loved it um thank you for taking the time for all the insight and uh looking forward to meeting again hopefully soon guys if you have any questions shoot them over to me to add directly if they are pr related and if you guys want us to maybe try to organize another catch-up uh a second time to maybe dig deeper into some of the areas that would be relevant for you then uh, just let us know and we'll um, certainly try to make it happen thank you for having me on same here thanks a lot man cheers